the biggest challenge, the biggest difficulty that many salespeople have is that they never learned early in their career that it's not about telling how great you are. It's about finding out what that customer needs. Welcome to Access Points, the podcast where we discuss the tools, habits, and ideas that can help you achieve and maintain the leadership mindset so you can reach peak performance. Are you ready for your all-access pass to some of the top minds on the topic of leadership? Let's get started. All right, good afternoon to our listeners. Welcome back to the Access Points Podcast. I'm Davin Marceau, the COO with Access eForms, and I'm here without Tim and with Mike, our VP of Sales. Mr. Mike Kelly, how are you doing? Hey, I'm doing great. And you? Man, I am so much better now that you're here. <laughs> Absolutely. Most people are. And we just get to focus on having a good conversation. This is going to be a fun one. Without the boss over our shoulder. There you go. And suffice to say, you've been doing this for a little while. Yes. I wouldn't say that I'm the elder statesman, but I would say that I have been um, in the sales role for probably a good 25 plus years. 25 plus years. Yeah. So that's, that's a lot of people that have come and gone. (laughs) I'm only 26 years old. (laughs) (laughs) Times two, but whatever. Okay. So again, with that many years of experience under your belt, you've been a rep, you've been a senior rep. You've been a director, you've been a manager, you've been a VP. You've seen a lot of people come and a lot of people go that have worked with you, worked for you, and you have worked for, right? So I want to know throughout your breadth and depth of experience in the sales world, what you've learned about people and not just colleagues, but your customers as well, what you've learned about people after selling for 20 years. Yeah, it's an interesting topic when we started kind of going through this idea for a podcast. It was, it, it brought a lot of things to mind. And one of the things, you know, being in sales for the best part of my career has been, you know, people's perception of what salespeople are. And I think that's probably one of the very interesting things is that in many cases, um, you know, I'm a sales guy, you know, or, or what do you do for a living? I'm in sales for a software company. Oh, okay. And you, there's, there's this immediate jump to, you know, a, something like a, a used car salesman or, or what people, you know, claim is a used car salesman, nothing against, uh, because I think car sales is, is, is great, but it's just that, that perception that, that people have. And sometimes it's just, you know, uh, I think they've just heard it enough times that that's what they say. And, and they really don't have any clue as to what a salesperson really does, especially in our business. When we're talking about software solutions for healthcare, specifically for hospitals and for, processes that are as important as, you know, physician order for life-sustaining treatment or a surgical consent that uh, deals with all the liability of, um, you know, life and death situations, you start to get a sense of, you know, just how important, you know, being a, a good salesperson is and being able to represent your company while and create environments where it's great for your company and it's great for the customer as well. Yeah, that's something I didn't even really think about, but I think salesmen, or salesperson in a lot of contexts, it's a pejorative. It's viewed negatively, right? It conjures up this image of you trying to eat dinner and your phone rings and it's somebody trying to sell you Tupperware, whether you're younger <laughs> or your your car's warranty is about to expire or it's a healthcare IT solution or on and on and on, right? And, and I think more people associate that with an inconvenience due to loss of time, due to loss of being able to do other things. And they do this, this positive experience of you know, maybe this person is going to enrich their life through providing them something. Right. And I always go back to this little cartoon that I saw years ago and it's, it's the king on the parapet of the castle and he's just shooting bow and arrow after bow and arrow. 
And in the background, there's, there's, um, there's a salesman there in a suit and tie that's holding a machine gun. And he said, if you'll just give me five minutes, I can help you. And the king is sitting there saying, no, I don't have time to listen to that. Now, obviously, between shooting those bows and arrows to fight off the, the, the enemy versus having a machine gun to do it, you know, again, it would behoove him to, to, to take those five minutes. And that really is part and parcel to what a salesperson is probably very used to. In many cases, you may have something that's great. You may have something that would be excellent for a hospital. Take example for example, like what we do today. We have very focused solutions for surgical services for missing consents. Missing consents really creates a lot of bottlenecks and, and delays when it comes to getting surgery started on time. And I'm not telling you anything that a hospital wouldn't be intimately aware of is that those delays are very costly. We call on hospitals all the time and I've got this great solution. that will help you eliminate those delays. I'm sorry. I don't, I just don't have time or maybe that's not an issue for us. Okay. And that's, that's okay. I mean, we, we see that all the time. It's, they just may not be ready for it. They may not understand the depth of the challenge maybe that they have, but a good salesperson and what I found with salespeople over the years, it's those that get that response and figure out a different way in versus those that just give up. Um, I said it multiple times. I interview a hundred people for a sales role and I'll eliminate 99 very quickly because to be a salesperson to the standard that I expect and be really good at it. There's, there's very few that are, that are that good. You know, I say we stay with this theme about being able to understand what you've learned about people to break through the barrier, to turn their connotation of a sales rep and from negative to positive and being able to move past that barrier in order to be a more effective rep. I think that's, you know, kind of a cool unexpected theme that we can take in this. And I think there's, there's a lot to be gleaned from it. So, you know, I want to get your experience in that is how have you taken what you've learned about people over the years, consumers in this instance, and what, what have you learned about them to be able to push past that barrier, to be able to get past the, I don't have time to getting them to, to listen to whatever it is that you're, you're pitching. Yeah. There's, there's, there's something called sales tension and it is, um, Every customer and everybody that, that works at a hospital, and, and I'm going to speak from our perspective here at Access, but I call in hospitals that um, every person I talk to has some level of sales tension. That sales tension can be described as the level of uncomfort they have with what they are doing every day in their job. Do they have a problem? Do they have something that is creating a challenge for them that they can't get over every day because they don't have the necessary tools to do it? And that sales tension really exacerbates itself or, or manifests itself when the salesperson gets face to face with them. Okay. You've got a problem. I've got a solution. Now we're here at the table to talk about it and how that conversation and how that relationship kind of flows and ebbs and moves on really defines whether or not you're going to have some success. One of the things that I think we see, and one of the reasons that everybody is so negative necessarily on salespeople, whether you could say it about lawyers too or, or whatever, but they have a bad rap because the sales guy comes in and all they're doing is just pitching, pitching, pitching. Oh, we have this great thing and it does this and it does this and this does this and this, this. And I haven't asked you a question at all about you yet. Okay. The biggest challenge, the biggest difficulty that many salespeople have is that they never learned early in their career that it's not about telling how great you are. It's about finding out what that customer needs. So how do you, how do you get a pass? Cause it sounds like another lesson that you've learned about, about people. Is it ego that has them that, that drives in that direction? Is it a lack of understanding about how to interact with other people or identify 
the the potential customer's pain or lean into that a little bit? There, it, it's a lack of confidence is what it is. A salesperson that's got a lack of confidence is one that's going to jump into the conversation. They're going to interrupt that customer. They're going to just, the only thing they've got to bring to this situation is telling you about their stuff, telling you about themselves, about their company. And it's just going to be like this flow that is just so one-sided that whether or not they've expressed a need for consents to be able to be signed bedside, they may not have any interest in that. So why would you be presenting it? And the, the reason you're doing that is because you just don't have any confidence in what you know or what you don't know about this customer. The pathway that I've worked with in my career, as well as working with salespeople over years has been, tell me what this account is worth. You know, you know, in terms of what we do in our blue shooting and our strategy sessions before we go into a sales situation is we know, or we can get a pretty good idea of the sales volume, the revenue that we could possibly make off of this customer. And once we know that, let's say it's worth $100,000, this piece of business. And we know that it's going to take five calls, five meetings for us to get that business. I mean, based upon what our numbers, that's probably kind of where it lands. So when you do the math on it, I'll take 100,000, I'll divide that by five. This call is worth $20,000, okay? So I'll get $20,000 on every call. My question to salespeople all the time has, have you put $20,000 worth of effort into the planning for this call? And immediately you're going to get, I did this, I did this, I know this, I know this. Or it's going to get real quiet and gets very quiet very quickly. And what we find is that if you haven't done that prep, if you haven't asked some of those questions beforehand, if you've saved everything for this meeting, that sales tension, that issue with me being across the table from you becomes a little bit obstinate and it becomes uncomfortable. And, and it's, it just becomes so one-sided again about how much I can present to you and hopefully some something sticks and it's just not a method that works anymore. So you've got two different sides of this coin, right? And, and it sounds like there's a significant chasm between these two and it's customers that have a natural reticence to want to listen to a sales rep because of historical interactions or whatever, combined with a rep who lacks the confidence to be able to identify the pain, the gap, the need of the customer. So how do you bridge those things together? What have you learned about reps and what have you learned about customers over those years that allows you to be able to, be able to bridge that gap to really truly hit home with the customer and actually potentially make a sale? Yeah, it's this, what you described there is so well known for customers that call it death by PowerPoint. Okay. We all heard it and it's me putting up. Uh, I remember when I first started years ago, I was riding with a, with a senior rep and he had like 120 slides literally 120 slides. If you've ever sat at someone's home and watched their vacation videos or their slides from their vacation, you understand how boring sometimes that would be. And frankly speaking, you know, in this business early on, the pathway that many salespeople took was provide so much information that you confuse the customer to a point that they'll actually get scared enough to buy something. And that's what it was. It just, and it, it never worked for me. It, I, I just couldn't, I guess I'm not smart enough to, to know all the data so I had to come up with a different path. One thing that I, that, that I will tell you that I do with customers every day is I get them involved in the presentation way early on. I'm not, I don't rely on PowerPoint all the time. PowerPoint is, is used for what we need it, but it's, it's just a, a background more than anything. But our pathway here is to really change the game a little bit. Take the cape off of us, you know, instead of us trying to be the hero in this, this uh, story and put that onto the customer. And, you know, I can tell you about two minutes worth of access stuff, and then I'm going to be pretty pointed at a customer. I'm going to say, you know, imagine working with us that we're doing a project and we're a year into it. 
you're looking back on it. Okay. This is your project. You have to tell me what has to have happened for the, you to call this a, a success. And I know it's uncomfortable for young people and early people in their sales career to uh, deploy, but it totally changes the game. You know, I've yet to hear from a customer after utilizing this, this method, anything negative. They tell you they want to talk. We're, we're all human and, and we want to listen to ourselves talk and we, we everybody brings an ego to the situation. So in many cases, whether or not we're dealing with C-level people in the hospital or we're dealing with analysts in the IT department or the medical records folks down that are scanning forms all the time, everybody comes at this with a different need. They come to it with, you know what, a very intimate knowledge of all of the problems that, that, that happen. And I say that because years ago, you have to understand when we first started this business, it was about moving hospitals from very manual process, meaning how you got patient information onto a form was well, you, you, you made a credit card and then you imprinted that credit card. You remember the old go in front of a hotel and they, you know, they imprinted your credit card. That was what hospitals used. And when I go into the hospital, I could go to that, Im that imprinter and you would see dents in the front of it. Nobody ever asked why there were dents in front of it. So I did one day. I said, why are there always so many dents in the front of your imprint? And, you know, the person that had been there for 30 years, she said, because it never works and we kick it. I know that seems crazy. These are hospitals, you know, in the United States of America. But that's the reality of the situation. It didn't work. And by the way, nobody ever asked them about it. What if I could show you a way that all of that happens automatically and you don't have to have that doggone imprinter anymore? And they just said, oh my God, that'd be the greatest thing. That would be, you would change the way we do things. You would change how much we can spend on patient care versus having to do registration paperwork and re-paperwork, all that type of thing. So not to get off track, but it's asking those questions and not asking questions that are on a list, actually giving a damn and listening. Look at the poor lady that's been kicking the machine and say, you know, why are you doing it? What's going on here? How can we help you? And, and care, give a damn, you know? Yeah, well, I think it's the the transition of as the rep thinking you need to be the hero to making the customer hero and assuming the role of the guide. And I think that will help you reach a level of interactivity with the customer and a level of engagement with that potential customer that will kind of help move you past their conception or their preconceived notions about what a sales rep is and to what it is that they can do for you. We have limited time and you're only going to be able to make so many calls as a salesperson. And I will tell you that what I found with salespeople over the years is that they're never as busy as what they say they are. You know, there may be a lot of complaints. I can't get everything done or I'm here. I've got to go to this place and everything else. But at the end of the day, if there is an opportunity to, to sell something out there, if you're a good salesperson, you're going to go after it, no matter how busy you are. Secondly, if you have a limited amount of time, the areas where you want to go and the places where you want to go and the people that you want to sell to have to meet certain criteria. They got to meet, they, they got to meet a profile. And if you don't have some of that kind of baked in, if you haven't asked some of those questions early on, you're going to find yourself doing a lot of presentations that just are out there. I mean, they're, they're not applicable to what this customer is looking for. And it's an absolute waste of time. I would much rather do half the number of presentations and do ones that are focused and are a hit that move on to the next stage, you know, that kind of bring down some of that sales tension and go to the next stage versus just, you know what, I'm, I'm just going through the phases here and we'll see if it sticks. Well, it sounds like it builds off of the last point, right? In order to be able to give quality demonstrations, it has to build off of your ability to interact and connect with the customer by making them the hero, making yourself the guide and getting past that barrier. Right. 
think about it. If you've got a guy taking you to the top of Mount Everest, do you want the guy that he talks a big game or do you want the guy that's done it before? That's certainly life and death type situation, but it's the confidence that comes from, is it fake confidence that, you know, Oh yeah, I can get you up there. I've been leading guides on, you know, Boy Scout trails for the last 50 years. Well, that's probably not qualified me to actually take you to the top of K2 or whatever it is. So my point in saying it is, is that you've got to put the time and the effort in to get very good at your craft so that you've got that confidence level to be able to work with that customer. I've got a young, a younger uh, new employee here that I'm working with. And it's these types of concepts that we're talking about. He's still early and he relies on the fact that sometimes I can just present and present and present. And it's like, I said, you know what? It's time to slow down a little bit. Let's ask some questions versus always presenting. And it's knowing how to kind of balance that in a, in a sales situation and dealing with that sales tension. That's going to make you a very good salesperson. Well, it sounds like it almost comes full circle and what holds people back and what you've learned about people that keeps them from being a good rep is their inability to get past that barrier about maybe what they think about a sales rep, right? Their inability to break through this belief that the customer's not going to listen to me because they think I'm just trying to sell them a watch, right? And, and if you can never really truly buy into how you push past that or believe enough in your product or your ability to sell that product... You're never going to get to the next step of identifying sales tension. You're never going to get to the next step of, of the confidence to make the customer, the hero and you, the guide, and you're never, you're never going to get to the confidence of the ability to interact and identify and sell them something that's meaningful and helps them solve a true problem or need in their life. Yeah. And so the evolution of sales was they took exactly what you just said and they said, oh, well, what are we going to do about that? I got an idea. We'll bring sales engineers in. So it's not the salesperson that, that has to have the credibility to, to say the, you know, the ins and outs, the bits and the bites and all that type of thing. It was like, you know what, salesperson, you just handle the relationship and we'll have sales engineer over here because they're an engineer and they've got all the technical chops to be able to really make those claims. And so salesperson, sales engineer, it wasn't any different. It was just, it was just changing who was delivering that message. Not saying that, that, that it wasn't good. I'm speaking to the tune of, we've even done, done that here. Back in the day, we would have salespeople with, with sales engineering and, and we did very well with it, but we barely scratched the surface of what was possible. Our sales engineer was barely being tapped into to how impressive and, in, and how great he really was. And when you do that, when, when you use him in a different way in a sales opportunity, then you can make things happen, make things happen that you never would have expected before. When I say that, I mean it. I think of a tenfold jump in terms of what your average deal size is. Do you sell $20,000 deals or do you sell $200,000 deals? Okay. I mean, those are the type of metrics that you can track when you start delivering value in a sales opportunity by asking the right questions and really doing something with that versus just spitting out data all day long. One last question. I think that'll kind of bring this thing home is, you know, understanding the fact that most people never truly break past the barrier of their preconceived notions about the sales rep, right? When they're trying to be a sales rep, can you nurture that out of them? Yes and no. I would tell you that if you're early in a career and you're open to new ways to do things, yeah, you can probably nurture that out of them. What you will find with a lot of salespeople that get into this career, it's the path of least resistance. I'm going to, I'm going to work real hard in these first few months and making all the, the cold calls to get opportunities and pipeline built. And, you know, once it starts kind of clicking a little bit and things start to come in, 
oh, wow, this is easy. And they get away from that heavy duty work that went into the beginning. And because things are starting to come in, I see it with every salesperson. I expect it with every salesperson. It's those salespeople that at that point say, you know what? I figured out this balance in terms of my heavy duty prospecting time, plus my sales presentation time that are going to be successful. It's the others that, you know what, they sold a few deals and now they're resting on their laurels and you'll see sales that are cyclical. They're, they're high one year, low one year, high one year, low, just because they're, you know, they're really not the professional salesperson that I would expect. Okay. Now I'm actually really going to ask my last question. <laughs> or just, this is really, I, I want you to put your thoughts out here on this, but d- distill it down to one point, one tip, one trick. You're talking to a younger Mike Kelly who's trying to build an effective sales force, build an effective sales team. What's the one thing that you'll tell them that you learned about people that can make the most effective? What's the one tip, the one trick from Mike Kelly to the young budding Mike Kelly's of the world? God gave you two ears and one mouth ask questions and shut up and listen. That's simple, huh? Pretty simple. See, what I thought you were going to say is if you can't dazzle them with your brilliance, you baffle them with your <laughs> bull spit. Insert. Oh, yeah. well, that, that's, that's, that goes unsaid. I, I like yours better. And I think Tim will like yours better too. So I think that's a good place to wrap this up. It, we, we took a little bit different direction, but we it's got still down, fun. Yeah. And, and we were able to kind of distill it down to what you've learned over the years and you know those identifying points about why people are ineffective you know i think you've you've learned about the foundational elements about why it's so damn hard to be an effective sales rep and so damn hard to find a good single barrel bourbon that too but that that's that's topic for another day so again as always our listeners give us your thoughts and your feedback on this podcast how have you done it for our sales leaders for our senior sales reps or even a junior sales rep you know, what have you guys learned about people? What have you learned about customers, your colleagues, your bosses, on and on that over the years has either helped you or hurt you? Interact with us. Let us know. Give us some feedback on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, our website, the podcast. Let us know. Awesome. Thanks so much for doing it. Yeah, Mike. It's always a pleasure having you here in the office, buddy. Thanks. All right. Talk soon.